You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. So today I walked into my doctor's office and I, I sit down and the doc looks at me at and he goes, I got some good news. Uh, you're, you're 10 pounds lighter than the last time you were in here. Your blood pressure is better. Everything else uh, with you is, is doing well. And I was like, great. And he goes, the problem is you look terrible. <laughs> and I was like, what? He goes, you look like you've gone like 12 rounds. Like you, you don't look good. And I'm like, oh, I've been having a sinus thing. It's been bothering me for like a month and a half. Like, I don't know what it is. I can't kick it. I keep every decongestant I can buy over the counter. I just can't kick this thing. So he's like, well, it shouldn't last that long. So I'm going to give you an antibiotic. I'm like, all right. If the antibiotic doesn't work, I'm going to put your face under a CAT scan just in case. So now I'm petrified. Like, the antibiotic better work. Because if you're going to put my face in a CAT scan machine... Now I'm concerned, right? Like that immediately, like I'm a hypochondriac to begin with. But now I'm sitting around going to myself like, what the hell is he looking for with his CAT scan? Aliens. Exactly. Like what is burrowed into my face? Like what does he suspect? It's just as bad as like I went to a specialist last week. I don't have anything wrong with me. It's funny. I went to the body mechanics. Went to a couple body mechanics, you know, a couple doctors over the last week. Got to check in on myself. I'm 45 years old. So I had this surgery five years ago. And recently, where one of the incision marks is in my stomach from the surgery that I had, I've been getting this pain. So I go and I see the guy who originated the whole thing, the specialist. And he gets me up on the table and he checks me. He goes, there's two possibilities here. I'm like, all right. He goes, one is the scar tissue has grown in a weird direction, which happens from time to time. And so five years later, scar tissue is hitting a nerve and you're just going to have this pain for the rest of your life. And I was like, well, oh, that I was like, that doesn't yeah, sound good. Lovely. And he goes, well, the only other alternative is that we have to take your gallbladder out. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, what? He goes, those good. are the only two good. things that could be. Options. It's either scar tissue or something's wrong with your gallbladder, which we would just remove because that's not a big deal. I'm sitting in the chair going, that's it? There's just option A and option B? Pain for the rest of my life. Remove my gallbladder. So I'm never going to a doctor again. This kind of brings me to my feelings on the winter meetings. Like, I have to have some hope, right? I'm waiting for Rick Hahn to go and make a move. He once again on Monday reiterates that it's likely going to be trades because they're not looking to spend money. The payroll's really maxed out, and you can see exactly where that line is, especially after they put out the Clevenger details. We'll get into that. I want to have hope, but I'm very afraid that at the end of it, I'm going to be sitting there looking at the White Sox moves this week or lack thereof, much like I looked at that doctor who gave me option A and option B. Well, I mean, so pain for the rest of your life is what? They extend Larry Garcia indefinitely? Yes. No, it's it's infuriating because, you know, you look at the rumors and you look at what's swirling around teams, okay? And you're seeing, you're not seeing a ton of activity. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say the winter meetings has been like, you know, an explosion of news on every player or news on every team. There's a lot of teams that are quiet, but you're seeing some stuff, right? And the White Sox and the White Sox aren't really really tied to any of it, are they? The big guys are coming off the board, right? The Grams off the yeah. board. Verlander comes off the board. Uh, Trey Turner moves. He was probably going to be the first shortstop that moves someplace, right? 
So like, it's almost as if they're going in order. Like, let's all get the big contracts out of the way and then we'll move down to this and then we'll move down to this. And Han literally has to sit around and wait and see where everything falls. So a team that's left without a chair when the music stops and needs something that he's offering will deal with him because he's not involved in this part of it because he doesn't have any money and he doesn't have the capital, the trade to make the big move until there's a team that really needs it because they missed out on one of these big names. Yeah. So what he's waiting for, right? He is waiting now that Verlander is off the market. Now that DeGrom's off the market, he's looking at the Yankees who are looking at what's left of the pitchers. Even Zach Eflin's gone for gosh sakes. Uh, you know, the Yankees are looking for a starter. Everybody kind of knows the Yankees are looking for a starter. They wanted a, a high end guy. So Rick Hahn is sitting there kind of maybe dangling a Lucas Giolito their way and going, Hey, he threw no hitter against the pirates once upon a time. But he's got to wait for Carlos Rodon to sign somewhere before that can even happen, right? So it, there's there's no trade partners lining up for Rickon, and this gets back to the problem that the Sox have from a roster construction and a minor league standpoint. They can't make godfather offers to bring in star players. They've got to wait and get the guys that they have that have some quality and, and some value to other teams to see if they can get replacement-level guys, to see if they can get some guys back that are ready-made to plug into the White Sox team, but as filler, not as a star. So it's not you're not trading for a shortstop second baseman on the level of what you would have gotten if you could have paid Trey Turner 11 years and $300 million, but you're looking to see now if the same Phillies need a starting pitcher does this move free up Bryson Stott as somebody that you want to roll the dice on or Edmundo Sosa, who they had you know, kind of planned on turning over second base to? And these are not guys that should light your fires and, and, and make you sit there and go, hey, hey, that's the that's the solution we've been looking for, because they're they're just they're just guys. And that's what Rick Hahn is looking to do. He's looking to say, hey, who's got some guys and who needs what I got? Speaking of solutions. This episode and every episode of Socks in the Basement is brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Look at that transition right there. That's professional podcasting at its finest. Family and veteran owned and operated since they started in 2013. Uh, They get all kinds of awards and they'll handle everything from your bowling walls, the window wells, some pumps, gutter cleaning, uh, anything to keep your foundation dry and and together and protect your home. 24-7, give them a call, 708-330-4466. Get a deep discount when you mention socks in the basement. Your basement's best defense is at familydry.com. It took you five minutes to throw Lucas Giolito might get traded out there. It makes some White Sox fans heads explode. Like, why would you trade him at his low value? Why would you want to get rid of him? And again, he is going to be a very valuable pitcher. If the Sox keep him, he improves your chances to go far this season because I think he's going to bounce back. I will throw another wrinkle into this whole thing. Lucas Giolito just got put on the union's executive board. Like, he's now a bigwig with the MLBPA. And Jerry Reinsdorf hates union guys. I, I, I don't know this for a fact. I've never had a conversation with Jerry. If I did, I'm sure it would end in shouting. But <laughs> I, I, he just doesn't seem to be very warm to them over the years. Like, if you've been watching this team for four decades like I have, and you've seen how guys who were, like, big in the union, how long they lasted in Chicago. And this was pointed out to me uh, by one of the listeners who hit me up in the DMs over the last couple of days because they were listening to one of the shows and pointed this out. And I was like, yep, you're right. He normally doesn't like having those big union guys walking around on his team. Put that check mark in the column. 
of Lucas Giolito may get moved. I, I definitely know he's gone after this year. He's going to pitch well and go out and make big money that the White Sox don't have. Okay, so in reality, it's it's got to be a good deal. You don't give him away for anything. You still want to win. But if you can take his money and either apply it to something else and then still be able to go out and get another arm and you think you can pull that off, that's the only scenario where it happens. The guy who's probably getting moved first, though, is Liam Hendricks. He is the first White Sox player in the winter meetings to have some smoke around his name. Teams are kicking the tires. Teams are calling the White Sox reportedly. There are a couple of reports out there already about this. And remember, he's only got five teams he can reject. His no-trade clause at this point is only down to five teams, and he's a valuable piece he would be a great addition for a team that's trying to make a run. And we've said it before, he's the cherry on top of a Sunday, but he doesn't really mean very much to you if you've got basically a self-imposed salary cap and a lot of other things that need to be fixed before you have the best closer in baseball on your team. Well, yeah, and again, it's it's about value, right? And and who can bring you back stuff? So back to Giolito for a second. Your your point about you know you never had a conversation with Jerry. You just have to watch the last two labor the last few labor strife incidents in Major League Baseball. Jerry's very much one of the faces of the owners and and management, and he is not on the labor side at all. So you can factor those things into it. But Lucas Giolito, if you trade him, okay, you get a trade back like what Mike Clevenger brought the Indians a couple years ago. Now the Guardians, right? Where Cal Quantrill, Owen Miller, Josh Naylor. Austin Hedges, four guys that are now starters on that team are brought back in that trade. And if you trade Lucas Giolito and can get four useful pieces, major league pieces, the way Cleveland did for Mike Clevenger, and I'm not saying that there's a direct correlation there, but pretty close, then you have an opportunity to fix some of the things on the White Sox and save a little money potentially and potentially go out and get another arm for the rotation to replace Giolito, or at the worst-case scenario, Mike Clevenger is that guy, and you're there. But Liam Hendricks, different story. Liam Hendricks is trading a luxury item, like you said. I'm going to get more back than I'm going to lose replacing Liam Hendricks. And so if you think about somebody like Ronaldo Lopez as a potential closer, the idea being that Raylo or Crochet, if he comes back and is healthy, or even getting a, another established closer who's off the street, or even you know the Braves are one of the teams that was mentioned. If they're if they're willing to trade for Hendricks, maybe they're trading Raisel Iglesias back, who's an established closer. He's not as good as Hendricks, but he's an established closer. So maybe you're getting something like that, where the diminishment from what you get at the back end of the bullpen, if you are fixing a hole in your rotation, if you're putting in a fielder at second base and 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 a, and a guy that can really take over that position and lock it down, or another outfielder. Or a start, you know, anything that can help your team, or multiple things that can help your team for Hendricks, it's a win. It's a huge win, and 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 you lose a guy that is charming and fun and one of the faces of the franchise a couple of years ago, and a, you know, an electric guy, and this big, you know, really Rick Hahn's only big free agent like victory in the rebuild. But you know, again, if he trades him, he's got to trade him for things that help, and not trade him for things that will help in 2025.
Socks in the Basement listeners switch to a new age of life. Uh, maybe it's you, your your parents, your grandparents. You want to keep them out of assisted living. You can do that. You can turn your home into a smart home with Hyatt Home Medical Equipment. You can set up the home to be less of a fall risk. You can retrofit the bathtub and set things up to get them from the first floor to the second floor. You get specialized beds and chairs. They also have the latest in CPAP technology for those of you with sleep apnea and testing rooms so you get the most out of your new device. And they have a helpful staff right here on the south side, so you're not ordering this thing online or talking to somebody on the phone and you don't know exactly what you're getting. HHME.com, they'll work with your insurance and you get a deep discount if you mention socks in the basement or just stop in and see them. Hyatt Home Medical Equipment, 3518 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park. That's one of those places that I would never expect them to ask me for a tip, Ed. I I was out at the um, uh, Chicago Ridge Mall today. I'm walking around. I had to take care of something. I want to be very vague about what I'm getting because we're sitting down here at the bar and we're now in the Christmas season and there's there's small ears that might hear what I'm talking about. So I'm going to be vague. I understand. I'm going to be vague here as long as you understand. Yes. It. Okay. But I went to go buy some items. Okay. And when I'm buying these items, I had to go around to different shelves in this kiosk and I had to pick the different items off of the shelves that I was going to purchase. I give them my card. They stick it in the machine and then she flips the screen around to see whether or not I want to hit the little yes button for the suggested $18 tip on 20%. All she did was take the items and place them in a bag. That was it, Ed. All she did, I did everything. She took the item and put it in a bag for me. I even ran my own credit card on the machine. She wanted $18 for that for herself. I mean, at this point, I, I at this point, I don't know. I don't know. Up is down. Black is white. Cats and dogs are living together. I am so confused by the idea that coming out of the pandemic, everybody expects a 20% tip. I mean, at this point, if you're doing something equal to or less than what I would get when I got a filet of fish at McDonald's, I'm not giving you any extra money for that. Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. Um, now, if you wouldn't mind, I'm just going to slide this over to you. And just hit yes or no as to whether or not uh, you want to add 10% onto. I mean, it's just like maybe you can pull that off at the winter meetings when you have like a bunch of GMs sitting around. They're all rich, right? Like you got a bunch of baseball execs. You know, the owners, you might get an owner to kind of walk through the room. The agents, they have that kind of money, right? They don't care, right? I mean, if you're oh, rich, yeah, you don't yeah, care. They'll tip, they'll tip just a bit to keep their reputation. Right. So that they don't get vilified on whatever's left of Twitter. And uh, Right. You hit the button. Okay, no matter what, when you're rich, like Justin Verlander's got to hit the button after the money that he signed for. Jacob DeGrom's got to hit the button. Trey Turner's got to hit the button. The White Sox aren't handing out enough money to anybody, I think, at the winter meetings to hit the button. In fact, Larry Garcia, you hit the button. Yeah, Larry Garcia should just hit the button because he owes everybody a tip. He, I should be able to ask Larry for a tip for having to watch him play baseball. When I go to a game and I watch him go out and be a butcher defensively and, and be terrible at the plate, he should have to walk around after the game. Instead of signing autographs, we should all be able to hold out a little app where he tips us 20% for having to watch him play baseball. The guy who who the White Sox did sign as a, as a free agent, Mike Clevenger, his details of his deal are out, and they confuse me even more now because it's as if the White Sox wanted to present you with the idea that it's a two-year deal, when in reality, it's still a one-year, $12 million deal. The way that the setup is, he gets $8 million in 23. Then he has an option for $12 million in 24, but it's a mutual option, which means both Mike Clevenger and the White Sox have to want to sign him. 
And if either party decides they don't want him, the Sox still have to give him $4 million. If you don't believe me, I reached out to White Sox beat reporters while they were on the ground at the winter meetings to confirm this for me. Because I was like, hey, if the White Sox ask him back and he says, no, I want to leave, do they still have to give him the $4 million buyout? And the answer I got was yes. So what it sounds like, unless I've got really good sources that have screwed something up on the ground there at the winter meetings, it sounds like essentially what Rick Hahn did was he kept himself underneath that $180 million self-imposed budget that we talked about three weeks ago on this show, right? Right. And he got himself really to only 179 mil. And he took 4 million and deferred it to next year. Because what happens here is if Clevenger pitches well, there's no way he wants to only make $8 million in 24. So he'll say no, keep the $4 million buyout and get paid $12 million for one year spread out over two. If Clevenger is bad, why would the White Sox give him $8 million to come back? So they're not going to pick it up. So in the end, it's a $12 million deal just paid out $8 million this year and $4 million next year when he's pitching for somebody else. And it's so weird. I And I can't figure out why they do that. It's, it's almost like it's fan service. We sat there and talked about how a one-year $12 million deal for Mike Clevenger doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. You know, and we tried to do some mental gymnastics around around Giolito and, and what you're doing with him, or you're just all in for this year, and maybe you're looking at 2025. There's a lot of a lot of permutations that you and I went through that were just pure guesswork. But at the end of the day, saying, I signed Mike Clevenger, and we could have him for the next couple of years during this competition window, sounds a heck of a lot better to, to the average fan, or at least this is what I think the Sox want you to think, is that it sounds a lot better to say, we could have this guy, this potential ace for a couple of years, but in reality, you're right. The way it, it, it signs up is it's really this one-year $12 million deal that was basically reported when he was signed that doesn't make a great deal of sense. It's not a long-term contract. It's a one-year prove-it deal for a guy that that is out there saying he wants revenge on the Guardians, which, go with God, Mike Clevenger, I hope you get your revenge because that'd be great for the White Sox. But this is the reason. Isn't this the reason why Manny Machado is currently a San Diego Padre? and not a member of the White Sox because you try and spin it to make it sound like your offer was better. But in reality, it, it's this convoluted thing that sounds better or maybe looks better on paper. But in but when you boil it down to the brass tacks, it wasn't what Machado wanted. So he didn't sign here. Mike Clevenger just wants a one-year $12 million deal to prove he's over the Tommy John, his second Tommy John surgery to prove he's healthy. And then you're right. He wants to go out there and he wants to get Degrom money, you know he wants to get Verlander money. This, he's not stupid. He's not taking eight million to hang around here. Um, if I have to listen to Rick Hahn lawyer speak anymore, I would like to do it sitting at like a bar, that, because I, I need to have a stiff drink in front of me. What a coincidence! Okay, like I mean seriously, I mean like uh, uh, we're it, sitting at a bar, but besides this bar, the, <laughs> the 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 beautiful bar that they have next to all the machines where they're brewing all of their beers at Hailstorm Brewery out in Tinley Park, the official brewery of Sox in the basement. Uh, it's a big beer hall. They get music on the weekends uh, when it's when it's warm enough and you want to sit out there. They've got a nice little fire pit, but they've got all the stouts out and they're all barrel aged. And I need something heavy. Like I was just out there last week. They have an 18% barrel aged stout. That'll knock you on your butt. 
Like you give me an eighteen percent barrel aged stout. <laughs> that, that'll let you listen to, to anything yeah, that anybody. I'll has listen to, say. to whatever Rick Hot has to say at that point, right? Like, give me two of those. I'll listen to my kids. Yeah, give me two of those. I'll start buying all the propaganda that gets put out about this team, and I'll be like, you know what, Rick, you're a heck of a guy. Like that's how much I would need to be able to believe. Give some me three of, the stuff of those, and say. I'll start rooting for the Brewers. Right, exactly. They're in Tinley Park, eighty sixty one hundred eighty sixth Street, right off of Eightieth Avenue. Learn more at hailstormbrewing.com. But but here's. Some of his quotes from day one of the winter meetings, and I love this paragraph. I'm going to read it. Um, It's been published by a few different people here because he kind of held court with some of the beat reporters. And here's here's Rick talking about like trading and, you know, what he might have to do. Here he is right here. A year ago, we're coming off a division championship. He's got to remind you that they won the division, right? Even though they got just trounced in the playoffs. We're widely prognosticated to win the division going away. Well, they believed it, right? Because Liam Hendricks told us it was 162 games of practice. He said that right here on this show. They believed that. He did, yeah. I mean, I felt like they had a really good chance of winning it. I'm not going to lie. Okay, but if 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 you were, I was I was optimistic last year. I thought I thought they had it. So essentially, people are optimistic. So continuing the quote. So a blockbuster or roster-shaking move was probably a little less on the agenda this year. I think we have to be open-minded. Given the way we performed in 22, does it mean that's what's going to happen? Not necessarily, but at least have to be open-minded to something like that. That lawyer just threw out to fans that want to hear it, we may make a blockbuster trade. But then he followed but it maybe with, not. we may not. We'll see. He didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. Nothing he said there was of any substance whatsoever. He reminded you of one tiny accomplishment coming out of this rebuild. We won a division title and got beat up in the first round of the postseason. That's all I have to show, but I want to highlight that so you see the good. Because he's an attorney and he's always arguing his case in the court of public opinion. So first he throws that out. Then he tells you how everybody thought we were going to be good. I mean, I don't know how this went wrong. This was obviously an act of God. It wasn't my roster construction because everybody thought we were going to be good. The lawyer is out there arguing his case in the court of public opinion. Then he gives you a nugget, which makes you think he's going to make this huge deal. And then he goes, eh, but maybe not. We'll see. Give me another 18 percenter. Pass it on down. Yeah, and that's, look, I, 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 I speak his language. Okay, I, I do. I'm trained in it. I'm fluent in it. I understand exactly what he did there. And you're, you're absolutely, you hit it on the head. Okay, there is nothing of substance there except to remind people that there's a possibility that something could happen that's different than what has already happened, which is to say nothing, uh, nothing of substance. He, he's not promising a blockbuster. He's not saying there's anything in the works. He's not saying that, you know, Liam Hendricks is on the move. He's not saying that Lucas Giolito's on the move. He's not saying that they've got something on, you know, it, it, something going on that you're going to be excited about. What he's saying is this is this was a team that once upon a time was prognosticated to be very, very good. They did something very, very disappointing. And as a result, I might have to not approach this offseason the way I did last offseason. And again, it's 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 just it's it's so obvious what he's saying that it sounds great though, right? Earth shattering, you know, roster changing, life changing. I mean, he wants you to have babies to mark the day 
that he made this next trade that he's not necessarily even going to make. Yeah, maybe. Like, that's what he's trade. planning. He's telling you to right. go get the happy pills out of the closet because this is going to be something you want to celebrate. But we don't know that anything is actually going to happen because it might not. Here, here. But it, I'm open to it. Here's a question, and I, I'm getting this question here in the response from Ryan Herrera from CHGO, who put this tweet out, okay? The question put to Han is, does open-minded mean people coming to you or you being the aggressor? Listen to how he twists away from actually answering the question. He goes, both, which means, I don't know. That's... <laughs> Both is, I don't know what lawyers speak. Could be this, could be this. I really don't know. I don't have an idea of what I'm doing. We have all sorts of ideas floating around. We, because it's not just me. If this goes badly, it's not just me. Some that we volunteer to other clubs and some that come through the door from someone else's brainchild. Again, it's been important for us to look at how we do things with fresh eyes. Everything from our pregame prep to our hitting program to our sports performance side of things to how we make decisions in the front office. Based on how things went last year, we need fresh eyes. The lawyer didn't really answer the question, said could be this way, could be that way. Let me spin it to reminding you that I hired a new manager and we have fresh eyes. So everything's going to be different just because of that. I mean, you kind of have to listen to him and you kind of have to report on what he says because it's all the team gives you, right? But you also have to sit there and go, all right, pour me another one because this is maddening. And, 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 and anybody who sits there and says, well, that's him just holding his cards close to his chest. All right, fine. I could have bought that one a couple of years ago when he had the ability to craft the team and put it together. But we've been looking for a second baseman now for years. We haven't been able to fill right field since, since we supposedly ended the rebuild, or as you call it, the remake, because it really wasn't a rebuild, right? We seem every year to have the exact same things we have to go out and get. I can already predict for 2024, we'll probably need pitching, an outfielder, and a second baseman. We'll read between the lines. Read between the lines of what he said, right? What do you hear, lawyer? Well, when he's saying, you know, he's asked, do you have to be the aggressor or is that mean people coming to you? And when he says both, what he's really saying there is he does have to be proactive and go out and try and find trades, and he's got to inquire after guys. And he's got to identify guys. It's it, it, You have to, as a general manager, you have to have a list of players that you want on your team that you think would help you, especially if you have gaping giant holes on the team, which he does. But that doesn't mean he can answer and say he's being aggressive because he doesn't have anything to be aggressive with. There's nothing for him to go out and do, okay? He cannot spend money to fix these issues because he doesn't have it. He cannot spend prospect capital because he lacks prospect capital to go out and be aggressive and get established players. And what we talked about at the start of the show, the guys that he can trade, the guys like the Liam Hendrickses of the world that are, are rumored out there to, to be on the market, you have to wait for some of these things to settle down before these guys become really viable or you can get your best deal. So does that mean that he has to listen to guys? Well, yeah, but that's also, you know, you read between the lines there too. You're a general manager. Somebody comes to you with a trade proposal, you pay attention right? You might reject it out of hand. It might be a terrible proposal. It might be patently awful. You don't have to do it just to do it, but yes, you have to listen to the other guys. So really all he said was, I'm the general manager of a major league baseball team. I have to go out looking for players, but if players are offered to me, I have to consider whether that, that will help my team. So again, he just gave his basic job description, like his very, very basic job description, in that answer of, do you have to be aggressive or, or are you waiting for people to come to you? It's both because, 
as a general manager, I have to do both. No kidding. What he's doing is probably trying to sell Liam Hendricks. And then he's hoping somebody will come to him with something he hasn't thought of yet. That's what I would imagine is going on with Rakan. Based upon the comments, based upon the buzz on Monday, that's probably what's happening. His chip that he's trying to move is Liam Hendricks. He's willing to walk up the people that he thinks need a Liam Hendricks and be like, hey, we can give you Hendricks. We'd be interested in something like this. And then he's hoping that there's other things he hasn't thought of yet, that somebody's going to come up and say, I can give you this. I can move this. We can do this. The Braves are sitting there going, yeah, I think we're going to re-sign Dansby Swanson. And I, and I think now that Trey Turner's off the market, we can establish a price for him. We really want him back, which is going to free up either Vaughn Grissom or uh, you know maybe Ozzy Albies if you can really sweeten the pot for one of those two guys, you know and and there's that or we might be able to uh, you know we might be able to talk about an established major league pitcher because we've got our eye on this guy. Okay, you you've got dominoes that still need to fall for some of these teams and and he can he can wander around and talk these guys up, but all all he can do at this point is just say hey if then right because. Who's going to trade? Who's going to trade for Liam Hendricks and establish something, or potentially put themselves in a hole if they don't have a backup plan in place already? Do you right? kind of do you kind of imagine in your mind, even though he really wouldn't do this because you wouldn't walk Liam Hendricks around, but it's almost like Rick Hahn is walking around uh, like Jerry Maguire in that movie. He's got his one thing, and he's just walking around showing it off right now and hoping he can generate some interest. And that's why the Monday chatter of like Hendricks is being inquired on is happening. Like, that's kind of how I envision it. Like, he's got his one thing. He doesn't have a lot. He's got that one thing that he thinks he can get something for. And he's starting off the winter meetings with the, dangling that and making sure that there's a buzz about the availability and teams inquiring about Liam Hendricks. Yeah, I, I think that's probably it. I, and I, I think you're probably just not hearing about the other things that he's having conversations about potentially. But um, and I'm, I'm going to give Rick Hahn a little bit of, of slack here in that. Again, when you're trying to trade established major leaguers for established major leaguers, you have to let the potential trade targets figure out where their strengths are, what matches up. And, and, and I talked about this. You can't just play fantasy baseball manager with this. You can't just sit there and say, now that, for example, the Dodgers have lost Trey Turner for sure, uh, you can't talk about Gavin Lux because the Dodgers need that guy. Right. Okay? So th- there's nothing you can give him to, to the Dodgers, nothing you can give the Dodgers that will – make them create a hole for themselves. But again, getting back to the Braves, for example, if they are trying to bring back one of their key free agents and Dansby Swanson, that creates a little bit more of a glut in their middle infield. And now maybe there's something interesting that can go on and it may just take more than Hendricks. But if I'm Rick Hahn, that's all I can do is I can walk around and say, look, these are the guys that I'm willing to part with. What do you think of them? Let me take your temperature. Cause you're here. I don't have to get on the phone with you. I don't have to try and get you on the phone or instant messenger or Skype or whatever these guys use, you know, carrier pigeons. I don't know. Um, I don't know what Jerry allows Rick to have. I, I, I'm still imagining Rick with a flip phone because that's all Jerry will pop for. He doesn't want to use any data. <laughs> but but I, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, if I'm Rick Hahn, this is all I can do. And I will give him credit. If he is walking around and he is actively dangling a couple of guys and saying, this is what I'm willing to part with. This is what I'm looking for. That means he might be establishing something that could happen as some of these other dominoes fall now that we've started to see them with Trey Turner and DeGrom and Verlander and some of these big guys coming off the market. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks 
in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.